Welcome to Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belokrinitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And Jenny and I are very excited to welcome to the podcast today, Trisha Swift. Trisha is a managing director in our clinical transformation practice. She leads engagements that focus on clinical operations and variation, population health strategy, and technology enablement. And just so you know, Trisha is an advanced practice nurse, and her clinical specialty is integrative medicine and whole person care models. So Trisha, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, a character in a recent superhero movie had a great line, which was, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. And so we work a lot with our clients to help them figure out how to set the right goals and objectives and then how to go after them. And today we're going to talk about a very important component of this goal setting. We're going to talk about the quintuple aim. And so, Trisha, you were really excited about this topic. So maybe to get started, tell us what is the quintuple aim and why are we talking about it today? Yeah, certainly. Well, I think before talking about the quintuple aim, it, it makes sense to start with just talking about health equity, because that's actually the fifth aim that was added to the quadruple aim to make it that five point aim. So adding in health equity, we're, we're taking a look at what health equity means to health and the health system and looking at health equity as a means of having social justice in health. And adding that aim is really acknowledging that, you know, no person should be denied the possibility of being healthy for simply belonging to a particular group that's been historically disadvantaged in our healthcare system. So the way that we measure health equity is through quantifying health disparities. And this is where social determinants of health has become a buzzword over the recent years. Social determinants just provide us with a set of metrics to measure progress against achieving health equity. So when we look more broadly at health equity, it's really referring to the non-clinical factors that affect health outcomes for patients, where disparities sort of imply that there's some kind of difference between patients, where inequity implies that there's an unfairness in the way that healthcare is rendered. So recently, IHI included health equity into their aim statement, making that a five-point framework, emphasizing that health equity is a unique contributor to health and not a byproduct of those other aims that focus on quality, experience, and cost. And health equity is such an important topic, and I know we cover it a lot on this podcast. Tricia, can you share a little bit more about why is this important now? Yeah, you know, I think when we look at what payers and providers are facing in the market, there's a lot of financial pressure to improve quality patient and clinician experience, and to do that at a net neutral cost impact. So there's a a lot of emphasis on affordability and cost reduction. And doing those things together is really hard to do. And if we look at how many of the efforts on the quadruple aim, so the aim statement that didn't have health equity included, a lot of the attention was focused around optimizing the sick care infrastructure. So what I mean by that is making care faster automating administrative tasks or curating more precise interactions with your patient. When you think about folding in equity into those considerations and the impacts of doing that go deeper than just those top line savings, adding equity into that statement starts to get at the broader topic around healthcare affordability and that total cost of care 
equation. So when we focus on equity in tandem to the other four aims, it really helps healthcare organizations avoid those future costs and poor outcomes that are going to be related to things about redundant care, waste, medical necessity, and integrating concepts around the whole person and what that unique set of needs for that person are into the way that we look at what's important and why it's important now. So for me personally, it's really exciting that health equity is being added because there's been a historical hesitancy around investing in health equity because the return on investment is hard to realize in the near term. It, it takes time to sift systemic barriers in the healthcare system. But what we're seeing now is that the industry is shifting. Health equity is being recognized as a top-line priority. There's positions being curated and created in healthcare organizations solely centered around leading health equity charges. And in fact, beginning January 1st of this year, the Joint Commission is now introducing a set of metrics around health equity, and that's being included in the accreditation process for healthcare systems and hospitals. And the interesting part about that is the chapter that those metrics are inserted into is the leadership chapter. So it's really positioning health equity efforts to be a reflection of what those executive level and strategic level priorities are. So it's really positioning health equity at the top of the food chain, if you will, for what's most important in facilitating health more broadly and not just taking an opportunistic approach at improving certain points of the care process, but looking at the whole continuum. Trisha, it's great to hear that health equity is moving up on the executive agenda. And you've mentioned the difficulty of measuring the return on investment or the impact of some of these health equity efforts as one of the challenges that organizations have already run into. What are some of the other things to be prepared for for the organizations that are going to go after improving health equity? Yeah, so improving health equity, I think, is going to just demand a different approach than what we're used to taking from a quality improvement standpoint. There's no protocol for health equity like there are for so many other quality initiatives around sepsis or readmissions or something like that. There's no one playbook to pull down and follow. So we have to approach it differently because of that. We're really trained to respond to the uniqueness of the individual. So the way we do that has to also be unique. I look at health equity as a team sport. I don't think any one person or one entity within an organization is solely responsible for it. I think we have to to do it all together. And what organizations can start to think about is the way that they interact locally with their community partners. The things that can be done at a local level can really go a long way for closing those equity gaps. For things like just having access to health care in general, offering culturally competent care, or even providing preventative screenings or meals, transportation, or just general education around health and benefit literacy. So partnerships at the local level with community benefit organizations are super impactful. It also helps nonprofits sort of keep their status while they're also doing a really good thing for their community. So that's one thing to think about. The other is, as we look at quantifying health equity efforts and what it means to measure disparities around health equity as a proxy for whether or not we're making progress, I think, you know, healthcare organizations will need to start evaluating or reevaluating their ability 
to actually make an impact on pulling some of those levers. So one example is take this new set of metrics from the Joint Commission. There's some detail in those metrics that say health organizations have to collect and analyze health equity data. They have to take action on the insights that the data provides them. And then they have to monitor effectiveness of their interventions. So to do those things, there'll be some requirements for some specific analytical capabilities in addition to having the right people in place to act upon them and operational logistics around acting upon the data. And so it just pulls into the bigger equation that there could be a a buy or a build or a partner decision for healthcare organizations to make as they spread out their portfolio and truly determine, do we have the right capabilities in the business, in our people, and in our technology to tackle this, to be compliant with metrics, and to actually make an impact, make a difference? So, Tricia, you mentioned that there are different and unique approaches that healthcare organizations can take to health equity and different capability levers that they can pull. Have you seen some success stories so far that you can share here with our audience? There's a lot of good news in this area. I think we're seeing a lot of payer and provider organizations really start to invest in health equity, partner, do a lot of really great and innovative things. So there's a couple examples that are just top of mind for me. Last fall, we heard about a national payer who's a specialist in the managed Medicare world. They announced that they were launching a subsidiary to build a new care model or a care model of the future. And the emphasis around that care model was to place social and environmental factors at the foundation of their clinical architecture, which is so neat. Because I think when you think about clinical architecture, you're usually putting disease states at the foundation of it. And this is really sort of flipping that construct around. And the idea behind that is to create this really broad social care network to start to wrap their arms around their customers and put a hug around them with this really big, bold network. So this is one example. That's a big one. It required millions of dollars of investment and a new co to make that happen. But I think there's ways that you can make impact on a smaller scale too. If you look at what health equity means, it means that you're increasing opportunities for people to live the healthiest lives that they can no matter who they are or where they live or how much money that they make. So I'm also seeing a lot of organizations, particularly in the provider space, that are partnering with their community benefit organizations to provide basic things to their patients and their and their families. Something as simple as getting a ride to a doctor's appointment or, you know, offering blood pressure or blood glucose screenings for free. So folks can get ahead of an early disease process that's happening. So, you know, big or small, impacting health equity helps the patient. It helps the healthcare organization and the system at large. And ideally helps folks be healthy and stay out of this sick care infrastructure and take more charge of their health. So it's a really exciting time to be part of the health equity movement. And I think there's many things that can be done on a large or small scale that make great impact. Trisha, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us about the quintuple aim and the exciting promise and the reality of meaningfully impacting health equity. It's something that we're all very excited about. Yes, well, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, 
please subscribe to the Next in Health podcast. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.